Well, hello, and welcome back to Sunday Questions of Podcast. I am your host, Kayleen Bracken, and today I have a very special guest with me. It's actually so funny, like, seeing you sit across from the mic, and she's here live, thank God, because my Zoom interviews sound like I did them under a rock. So my mom, my biological mother, is here <laughs> to record the podcast with me. As opposed to all those other mothers. Yeah. So many. <laughs> so many. I'm so excited. If you guys have been following me for a long time, slash for like a year, you probably, or like maybe a week even, you probably know how I feel about my mom. She is like the love of my life. And I am so excited to have her on because I had a few people ask if I would have my mom on and do like a mother-daughter episode because we have a unique relationship, I would say. And we've had an interesting relationship arc because we haven't always been as close as we are. It wasn't always like the best friends of my mom. And I'm really proud of that. I would say like my proudest accomplishment in life is my relationship with you and the way that we've allowed it to evolve. It's been such a product of mutual effort Mm -hmm. and growth. And I think it's translated so much into our relationship and also into our entire family's like dynamic. So I am so excited to have my mom here, Megan Bracken, more often known as Lil Red. <laughs> um, I wish there was video just so you guys could see. She's so small and she's red hair. Megan Bracken, say hello to the podcast. Hello, Sunday Questions viewer or listener. <laughs> Super excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. Oh my gosh. This is so fun, guys, for me because having my mom on like my mom and I literally talk every single day on the phone and you just hear all of my thoughts there's truly nobody who knows me better slash gets more of my unfiltered thoughts and feelings and so having you on here is so good I am going to use a lot of the questions that you guys wrote in but if you would be so kind as to give us a brief synopsis on you because very integral to this episode which is basically trying to help people understand first and foremost that our parents are people too and that I think is the kind of thesis of our relationship and getting to know one another was a huge part of how we became the friends that we are as well as like the mother and daughter that we are and balancing out the maternal relationship and like allowing me to be parented by you but also you and I are best friends and we talk about all the good things so finding that balance I think is important but I want you to give like everyone a little rundown on who you are what you do what you're all about okay um it's so funny too though because I would say that I think part of what has contributed so much to the evolution of our relationship and our friendship has been just a lot of work that I've done on myself in the last, I don't know, five years or so, um, and just getting a better understanding of who I am and how things that happened in my life affected me and things that I've carried. And it's funny because it also has helped me have a better understanding of my mother. But just, I guess, a quick synopsis, um, I am the oldest of three children. I grew up on Long Island. Long um, Island, group one, strong, strong Island, Island baby. Um, I could drop into a Long Island accent if you want me to. Yeah, um, <laughs> but um, um, my father actually died when I was really young. I was three and a half. My brother was two, and my sister was six months old. And I think that that can, has contributed much to the person I am and the way I grew up, and you know, things I believe and things I feel. So. I say that because I think it's super relevant. So grew up with basically a single mom who was also very young, you know, when all that happened. And I wound up going to the University of Delaware. Right after I graduated, I, I met Tim, your father, and we got married a few years later. 
I obviously have three kids. Kayleen's my youngest. Um, I have two siblings. I have an old, she's got an older sister, uh, my daughter Morgan, and then my son Kieran, um, who's two years younger than Morgan, a year and a half older than you. And I have always been a working mother. So I work, I work for one of the big four accounting firms in corporate social responsibility, so which essentially means we are like the do-gooder arm of the organization I work for. Our team does all of like helping to organize employee volunteering. And, you know, it's an organization of 40,000 people, so that is no small task. Um, like charitable giving, um, kind of all the good things that an organization can do in their local communities to make the world a better place. I don't know what else to say. I mean, that's kind of no, like that was a 30,000 so foot view of, that of was, who I am with a little bit of background. That was so good. I was going to be like, how are you going to approach this? With <laughs> Literally, you just gave a perfect life synopsis. Obviously, there's so much to you and there's so much nuance to your story as a human being and it's so interesting I feel like we could just sit down and do like a whole Megan Bracken growing up story because it really is so rich with stories and <laughs> interesting things that happened but that was perfect I just wanted people to get like a sense of who you are and and what you do because very important I think to who you are is the fact that you've been a working mom for all of my life and also which you didn't touch on, which is totally another episode, but just like wellness wise of just like being sick as we were growing oh, up. And so she has Lyme disease, you guys. Misdiagnosis, fibromyalgia and Crohn's at different times. And lupus. And yeah, oh, I should have said that's like fairly critical because it started in 2008. I mean, so you were only like six or seven years old. And I, yes, was misdiagnosed for years and years and struggled and, you know, went through all kinds of different treatments for different things. Um, you know, depending what kind of doctor I saw, they were treating just one aspect of it. Um, and after 12 very long years, was finally correctly diagnosed as having Lyme disease. So yeah, that actually is a huge part of my story. I should I should not have neglected to say that. Yeah, well, I just think I, that's why I noted it because I think for me growing up, that was a big deal in how I saw you. And not to say that I saw you as a sick person. There definitely was this factor of like, oh, my mom's health is not as great as she wants it to be, which I think is for someone who not only is a working mom, but has three kids, all of whom were very involved in a variety of things and is in a marriage and takes on lots of things as you do, to also be dealing with chronic illness is just an insane feat and you really handled it like a boss. <laughs> so I'm so proud of you and I'm so, we were so happy when she found out that she had Lyme. It was like we were in Santa Monica. <laughs> I will always remember that. We were in Santa Monica and we like got, you got an email. Mm -hmm. I was so excited and so many people swiped up on that Instagram story and were like, no way, this happened to my mom. So... If that was one of you one of you guys, we love you. Well, thank and you for yes, your support. We love you. <laughs> and uh, so we could literally talk forever. Like, we could frankly start a podcast together. Um, but I know, we're I gonna, really think we could. <laughs> I know. We're going to go through questions that people wrote in because I feel like it's, like, the best guiding factor. And mm -hmm. we can start with the one that we went on a walk this morning. And we got to talk through these things, which was really nice. My mom, like, literally walked me to practice, which was so adorable. I know, okay. I felt like you were like in high school, or not even high school, like a little <laughs> kid again. And after I dropped dropped her off, I saw some of her teammates. I was like, I just dropped Kale at practice. <laughs> Everyone's like, your mom's outside. I'm like, what? What is she doing here? It's <laughs> like, I'm kidding. She walked me here and bought me breakfast. And yesterday, my mom dropped me off lunch to our 
a game we had to watch. So, like, hello, I'm literally acting like a child. It, it makes me happy to do that for you. <laughs> I, love, I love that you do it. So we're going to start with, you know what, let's start with the question, what's your favorite thing about each other? Okay. Do I have to go first? No, I can start. Okay. <laughs> my favorite thing about you, I think that my favorite thing about you is your commitment to bettering yourself and your ability to rather not wake up and limit yourself based on your past. You genuinely wake up, I feel like, every morning and regardless of what you're going through, how you're feeling, what circumstances you're enduring, you see it as a fresh day and you say, see it as a new day and you're like, I'm going to evolve and become whatever I wanna be today. And I think it, it is translated to me being the way that I am because I haven't seen you, at least publicly, to me, I know you've dealt with things in private and with your therapist, and I think that, and I'm totally on the spot, but my favorite thing about you really is, especially in this stage of your life, your willingness to change and adapt and grow to new circumstances and life changes, and really, I feel like you're doing this deep dive into, like, what relationships are serving me, what friendships do I want to maintain, how do I feel around this person, what do I want to be eating, drinking, whatever, and you are so inspiring to me because I know you're always like, oh, God, you're so ahead of the curve, Kayleen, like, if I, if only I had known this when I'm 20, and it's like, who gives, like, you're doing it now, mm -hmm. and so I'm just really proud of you because you do such a good job of genuinely trying to get to know yourself, like, there was no giving up when you hit, you know, like, 50 years old, there was like only kind of like the fast track to how can I spend the rest of my life doing what works for me and it is something a lot of people don't do because of complacency and you have absolutely squashed that <laughs> and there's so many things I love about you my favorite things are just a running list but that is I think at the forefront of my mind thank you thank you um I would say my favorite thing about you I think what I have always just admired to no end is that you always have known exactly who you are. You always have had just this very kind of firm and consistent belief in yourself. Um, I think even when you've gone through hard times, that has always stayed something that I can see in you. I mean, we we joke that, you know, when people say really nice things about you to me, I'm always kind of joking and say, I, I would love to take credit for so much of that, but like she's just her own incredible, unique little being and always has been since, since she decided to show up a month before her due date. Like she couldn't wait to get out here and get life started. And your curiosity and interest in, in always learning more, um, incorporating what you learn into your life so not just sort of taking things at an intellectual level but then actually really embodying them is just so admirable and I I think one of the favorite things about you is that I learn from you all the time and I just so enjoy the conversations we have because I think they're they really feel like a conversation between friends and between people who are both sort of on that that path of just personal growth and, and trying to get an, a greater understanding of who we are, why we're here, and what can serve us best and make us feel the closest to living our purpose as possible. Thank you. That's so beautiful. That's so special. I feel all the same things about you. And you really have let me be my own person. I was going to say that's my favorite thing about you that you've done for me is that you have really, I think... Mm -hmm. You have shaped the person that I am because you held a lot of space for me to shape 
myself. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if you were telling me who to be or how to do things. You really let me make all the best mistakes throughout all of my years of life. And for those of you who don't know, I literally went to my mom and was like, preschool? Mm -mm. (laughs) Not for me. Don't want to do it anymore. Or like I would call her and be like, yeah, so I found a babysitter for the night. She'd be like, hello? Like, this girl is insane. I have been a character. You were seven years old. And Kayleen came in. We were talking about we wanted to go out to dinner for something or to a party. And we said, oh, we don't have a babysitter. And you came back in and said, okay, I have a babysitter. Charlotte will be here at seven tonight. And I said, how did, what do you mean? How did you do that? You said, mom, it's really not that hard. I just texted her. (laughs) I'm creating my own reality. And I always have been. But it's so funny because I wouldn't have been able to do that had you not been like, okay, Kayleen, this is what you can do. Like, I literally, you let me wear a swimsuit (laughs) (laughs) all around. It was was like a full piece. Don't worry, guys. I wasn't like walking around with my stomach out at age seven. But it really is because you have fostered this uniqueness in me, really, that I would wear this tankini to school every day because I only wanted to wear quote-unquote smooth things. That was my favorite. And... Well, even think of it now, like, I feel like I do have this sense of personal style and brand and things that I'm, like, very certain work for me. And I'm like, yeah, this is my thing. And and if people don't love it, totally fine. But, like, I have been raised on not only self-efficacy, but feeling secure in my own decisions. And then I think that also, which I'm now realizing, has translated to why I am so willing to take accountability for my poor decisions and my great decisions. Like, I'm proud of myself for the good decisions I've made, but I also am the first one to say, like, oof, fumbled that. And I think a lot of people, frankly, don't have that skill until they get to a certain point. Maybe it's rock bottom where you're like, oh my God, I really fumbled that. But to be able to own your mistakes and own everything you do, like that is how you become a person who is confident and secure and willing to admit when they're wrong. And I'm kind of rambling, but honestly, it is interesting that that's what you taught me from giving me so much freedom and determining who I am. Well, it's so interesting because I think that that is a real struggle for parents. you know, you become a parent and you really don't know what you're doing. You're just trying to figure it out day by day. And I think because there's insecurities there and there's the sense of like what being a good mother looks like. And I think to a lot of people, a good mother looks like children that are always like perfectly groomed and wearing perfectly matching outfits and, you know, the whole thing, getting good grades and, and being great at sports or great at music or whatever that is that you sometimes have to say like is it worth stomping on my daughter's creativity that she wants to make a dress out of what was a tank top no it's not worth it to to protect my ego or to protect me thinking that oh I'm not gonna look like I'm not a good mother I'm like I don't really think it's that much of a reflection on me but more importantly I want to celebrate the fact that she's making choices for herself and and designing outfits that are spectacular they were spectacular <laughs> I have had so many fashion flops over the years, and that was not one of them. That was a fashion. That was I, a fashion slay. I wouldn't think that was a flop at all. I oh, threw it was on fabulous. my. Le- it was like 2007. I threw on my leggings, my tankini, and a jean skirt, yeah. and some like glitter. I was like, "All right, mom, going to school." <laughs> well, going to first grade. You went for a little stretch where you used to take the like sweatbands that people wear on their wrist, and you wore them like on your legs. Because why not? Why wouldn't you? Why not? <laughs> Truly, why not? Little Red said she came up with something else she admires about me. 
<laughs> so I'm making her say it. <laughs> no, one thing I, I love is um, how clear you are about things that you want and how focused you get on making them happen, and then they happen. Like, that is... I, I could learn from you, I think. I was like, wait, how did you manifest that? Because I, I need to know how to do that, because... <laughs> That is something a lot of people in my life are like, Kayleen, I need to manifest this. I really do think I have manifested everything that I have now. Wait, can I tell the story about the braces? I have to tell the story Yeah, about you can tell the story about braces. So at one point, um, I took Kayleen to the orthodontist, and my two older kids were already in braces. And the orthodontist said, oh, she's going to need braces. I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to hold off because I'm a little broke right now from having the other two in them. And I remember talking to you about it, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting braces. Um, I will only get Invisalign. And I was like, well, you're not going to get Invisalign. You're, you're going to get braces when the time comes. And it would come up, and you'd say, I'm not getting braces. And I'd say, yes, you are. When the time comes, you're going to have to get braces. So we finally said, okay, it's time to go. We went to, we took you to a different orthodontist. He, you know, did the checkup and looked at everything, took some x-rays, and came back and said, okay, well... For the kind of bite that Kayleen has, really the best way to treat that is with Invisalign. I was like, of course it is. Of course. So Kayleen got the Invisalign she had been saying she was going to get for like two years. I slipped him a 20. (laughs) I slipped him a 20. That is also me with medical professionals as a child. (laughs) We went into, I was really deathly afraid of needles as a child. Like I would go in and I would sob and I would hide from my mom when she was supposed to bring me to the doctor. For my yearly checkup and one year we went in to get my shots I actually wasn't even that young and I told the nurse that I couldn't get the vaccine for religious reasons mind you I'm very much pro being vaccinated but I we went to go get this vaccine I was like I can't handle it I don't want to get this needle and so I told them that I was a member of the Church of Scientology <laughs> and my mom was in the room. Like I was really spitballing and I, what did I say? I was like, I have a religious exemption. And you just sat there like speechless that, that I was telling someone, like I was that desperate to not get a shot that day. <laughs> or I would go in and I would bargain with them. I'd be like, how about in two years I get one? I know. <laughs> and they'd be like, queen, like you need to get a shot to go to seventh grade. I'd be like, I'm a member of the Church of Scientology. Like, what do you mean? To be clear, I'm not a member of the Church of Scientology. No judgment to anyone who is, but it was just so funny because I, like, looked up people who are exempt from vaccines, and that was one of the groups, and I was like, perfect. (laughs) Who's going to confirm or deny whether or not I'm in that (laughs) sect? And to be clear, she did wind up getting the shot eventually. I did get the shot, yeah. There was only one nurse that you then did approve. She was sanctioned to be... Chris. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to call and say, I need to schedule her appointment, but it has to be on a day that Chris is working. <laughs> this is just becoming an episode of, like, crazy things Kayleen did as a child. <laughs> and there are so many. We could be, that's, that's a part two. We're going to circle back to the questions because you guys wrote in, like, really the sweetest questions, and we were just admiring them earlier, and it's so thoughtful and lovely that you guys want to know these things not only for yourselves but for your parents. Because parents really are, bad parents suck and good parents are amazing. And there actually is a lot more gray area than we like to think as children. So we're going to talk about some nuance and how basically to heal a relationship with a parent. Obviously, before we get started, I want to just acknowledge that there are going to be relationships with parents if they're abusive, if it's someone you have no interest in repairing a relationship with. This is 
in no way encouraging you to, to repair that relationship or to forgive or reconcile. That is not what we're here to tell you to do. Genuinely, we have an amazing story of recovering our relationship, I would say, and finding this beautiful friendship. And I don't know if you want to say anything about this, but again, like, I don't think we're here to tell anyone, like, no, definitely be friends with the mom who, like, calls you fat. Like, don't do that. Yeah, no, that's, that's, (laughs) you need your own psychological safety from people. Um, But I, I do think that there is so much understanding that can take place when you're willing to be open and to listen to one another and I I think it goes for any relationship but I think in particular parent-child relationships can be really fraught um, just because of the dynamic that's set up that one person is in charge you know as you grow up Um, but I think so often when people when you say like bad parents suck um, or just people are are just difficult people in life I think it it's always, there's always a reason there's always a cause and it probably goes back to some kind of pain they've been holding or some suffering that they haven't reconciled with um it could be because that's how they were treated as a child and they don't know any differently so I think so much of it has to do with understanding one another and being open to understanding the other person's experience and I think when you and I got to that place I think our relationship took a turn that that became so much more there was just so much more grace for one another for understanding where we were coming from and you started to recognize oh my mom is a person with her own her own trials and tribulations she's trying to work through too and I don't know I think I think I hope I've never given the impression that I have had it all figured out because I I still haven't I don't have it all figured out nobody does and no one expects any of us to and I think when you look at a parent that's what a lot of people are like, well, why are they screwing up? And it's like, they are genuinely just their childhood self in a bigger body. Yep. Maybe they're married, maybe they have a home, they have more money, but so much of the wounds that we carry from childhood are exactly what present to our children. And I think that's why it's so important to learn about breaking generational trauma, which I think mm-hmm. that like our family has been doing, which is amazing. I don't feel traumatized. <laughs> and I know that you're Such always a relief. Like, I really didn't want to traumatize you guys. And um, it's just, the thing about you being my parent like you know that I grew up being like I don't know if I want kids and it was genuinely the most like black to white thing where as soon as I felt like I had healed to the point where I would be a really good mother I like there's nothing I want more which is amazing because I think you taught me that having children is a massive responsibility because you did it well and because you did it with intention and I don't think everyone does that like we always joke that people should have to take a quiz before they or a test, like pass an exam before <laughs> they have kids because it really is a massive feat and so many kids do end up being traumatized by their parents. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to confirm, I do not feel traumatized and I really do feel like you equip me well to understand the gravity of bringing life into this world and now I feel like because I have such great blueprints for being a mom, I hope that I can be a mom one day. And uh, I just think it's so beautiful that I've had you as this wonderful female leader in my life. So oh, thank you. Of course. Well, well, I think so much too with um, parent-child relationship, really with anybody. Again, um, in this, it's like just always try, people always need to recognize their parents always have the best intent. It may not be executed well. It may be they're carrying their own trauma, their own. But if you start from a place of believing that this person wants the very best for me, I think that's a solid place to start any conversation. Completely. 
And that's somebody asked, how do you guys navigate slash work through sore spots or turbulence in your relationship? And again, like it, we, it's not like we turned a corner one day and we were perfect mm-hmm. mother and daughter. Like we worked so hard to get to where we are. And it really was a matter of, I can't help you until I help myself for both of us, like you healing, me healing. And it really was this serendipitous, not serendipitous, it was actually very much a consequence of personal effort that you and I both were doing this work. And I remember when I was in high school, like my mom had taken a few weeks off from work and was, I didn't know at the time, but just basically like listening to Oprah Super Soul Sunday every day (laughs) and doing all this work. And I actually found myself in a similar situation this summer after my freshman year, which is I would say when our relationship really turned around and that was our first summer going to Hawaii. It is because you and I both were doing such immense healing that we were able to come together. Same thing with dad, I think. Like there was so much resonance in our family that came up. We didn't feel as divided individually because we all found this really beautiful resonance and the most my favorite compliment I've gotten recently, which I already told you about, was that something just generally attractive energetically about me was that I, someone told me that I was attractive because I have such amazing relationships with my parents. And I think the relationship you have with your parents, again, excluding people who are abusive and you have to, again, psychological safety is incredibly important. But I think that's a translation of the relationship I have with the world. It is compassionate, non-judgmental, and curious. And I want to get to know the world. I want to get to know my parents. And I think that is what makes it attractive. It's like you see your parent as an individual who has their own life story, who exp- like experienced so much of life before you got there, and they gave you this beautiful gift of coming into the world. And it just is so magical, really, when you think about it. And I know I sound so woo-woo. But I think for how we navigated and worked through sore spots, I mean, even this summer, you and I had a conversation about finances and we talked about it and you are so good at coming to me now and saying like, Kayleen, and calmly telling me like what basically what's up and like how you feel and like when you order this on Amazon without asking me, I feel betrayed not because you spent $7, but because... I looked at my account and it, that money was missing and it's a matter of principle. And you have taught me what that means to you respect-wise and where it's coming from for you. It's like your childhood and financial stability is really important to you. And so knowing those things really helped me get a 360 view of you and your life and where you're coming from. And now you and I have this language, I feel like. How did this make you feel? What can I do to help? And it's not the empty apologies that would happen when I was like a, a teenager although I've only been 20 for <laughs> not even a year so I guess I am still a teenager but I would say that's how we've navigated through honesty through personal development and really through conversations like being honest with one another taking time to be together I remember there used to be a time when we like couldn't be in the car without arguing and now <laughs> you and I spend months together just the two of us which is the coolest thing ever completely who gets to do that with their mom completely i think part of it too is it is that we both have a commitment to really hearing each other and a commitment to not getting defensive like i i I think that's part of the healing journey we've both been on individually is recognizing you know what things trigger you or or 
push pain points in your um, in you, and instead of reacting in that moment, being curious about about that pain or anxiety that has just arisen because of something somebody said, um, and recognizing that so often it doesn't really have anything to do with that person. They're just you're pressing on something old that that just hurts or is creates stress in someone's mind, like financial instability. Like, yes, I know that $7 isn't going to break me. But it is that sense of, you know, we grew up, I grew up in a family that was a single mom with three kids, like we did not have a lot of money. And so being financially stable is always something that matters to me and is something that I need in my life. Um, So but I think that intention of listening to one another and and not, not being defensive, really goes a long way to having productive conversations. Yeah, I'm curious for people listening who have parents, they don't feel like they can have those, because I feel like we have this amazing relationship, but I think some people are gonna listen and be like, they think I'm gonna have that conversation with my mom Mm -hmm. who like refuses to see a therapist. Like my mom uh, works with an internal family systems therapy program, just with a therapist. And that I think is huge for our relationship as I also have been in therapy. And that was something you encouraged me to do. And I think I don't want to sound unrealistic to people because no, I actually want to say something about that too because that that's very real about IFS or about well, about that. parents not wanting to have that conversation. Yeah, because I would say even some of my friends who are probably listening are like, Kayleen, you and your mom are like kindred spirits. You guys <laughs> are literally in love, <laughs> and I don't want it to sound like we have we have not always had a perfect relationship. I hope we made that clear and we don't, I mean, our relationship's great. Yeah, um, absolutely. And and I know, I, not that I want to rehash all the, the many, many arguments we used to have <laughs> in the car driving to lacrosse tournaments in particular. Um, Already a tense setting. <laughs> yeah, but do know that this 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 has not always been this way and this has has been the result of, of a lot of work and a lot of openness and a lot of vulnerability with one another. But, but want to recognize that that's, I think it's because of where we both were and what we both wanted. But I think so often for people where one person wants to be able to have that dialogue and be open and make progress, they can get completely shut down by the person they're trying. If it's, say, it's a, a daughter trying to talk to their mother. Um, and, like, I know for me growing up, like, I very much have memories of telling my mother when something was upsetting to me or something scared like scared me you know I'd lost my dad at a very young age and my mom used to leave and say I'm going to my friends for 15 minutes or half hour and she'd be gone for hours and it used to scare me right understandably and hello by the way I was in like second or third grade um and I'm the oldest of three (laughs) I don't think my mom's gonna listen she doesn't listen but even if she does it's it's okay it's okay it's not something I wouldn't tell her to her face um and that's look, integrity. I can, I can look back and I also have so much compassion for her now. You know, yes, when I was that age, probably didn't. But I remember very much her being like, oh, you're being ridiculous and just dis- being completely dismissive of my feelings. So I, I know how that feels and that frustration. So I, and I think it's probably really hard for a child to not feel like. Or a young that, adult. Or a young adult. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Someone who is a child of a parent. Of yeah. a parent. Exactly. To. And not have that feel like that's something that they did wrong or to have it reflected on their value mm-hmm. that like their feelings don't matter. So I think 
in those instances, and I think there's going to be plenty of people out there who want to have those conversations and they and they don't get it's not reciprocated. And I would just say, just believe in in how you feel and don't let somebody else it being not not being willing to engage in the conversation or being dismissive of your feelings be a reflection of the value of your feelings. Beautiful. <laughs> because it really is. So many people will go to their parents and they're like, I want to go to therapy. And parents are like, are you crazy? It's like, no, I just want to talk to someone because I don't feel like I can talk to you. And uh, it's amazing. There's just so many things that we as children, I think it's kind of like any relationship. You're willing to accept what your standard is. And so if you're in romantic relationships, constantly used to having a toxic relationship, that's what you're going to be willing to accept in your next relationship. And until you have a relationship that breaks that standard, you're going to keep repeating and attracting the same partner mm -hmm. who is toxic. And it's the same thing with a parent, although it's more complex because you only get really like one mother or one father or whatever your parent situation is. And when you're looking at that, it's like, I only have this one person. And so that becomes your only standard. It's not like you're trying out different parents. You you right. only get the ones that you're born with. Of course, there's other situations if you're adopted, whatever it may be. But the ones who really raise you, you only really get them. And so you're forced to kind of accept the standard that they set for you. And if they're shitty parents from age one onward, you're just going to think that that's kind of normal mm -hmm. versus if you have an amazing parent and then you switch to some shitty parent, you'd be like, this is insane. And so I want people to know you don't have to accept someone treating you poorly. You don't have to accept mm -hmm. a mom that comments on your body weight or what you look like or who you choose to spend your time with. You don't have to accept a dad that projects his own athletic insecurities onto you or <laughs> tells you to get a certain job or tries to micromanage your life or hates your partner. You don't have to accept those things. And those are conversations you can, at the very least, initiate. Maybe, like you said, they won't receive them or reciprocate that kind of vulnerability. But it's not fair to you to have to live an entire life just being complacent with the quality of poor parenting if that's what you're receiving. Wouldn't you agree? I would completely agree. I completely agree. And I would say just try to just try to put yourself in the other person's shoes to just I think it will give you more compassion and for them and the situation they're in. So often I think people are just stuck in in the way they were raised or the kind of validation they got from their parents. And if you try to come at it from a place of curiosity and compassion and understanding and, you know, it's like the classic you, where, where you learn how to have those conversations with people instead of saying, you always do this and you do that and trying to turn around to say, I don't know if you're aware, but, but when this happens, this is how I feel. And like, you might not get the, the exact response you want, but at least you've framed it in a way that maybe they can hear, hear more effectively than if you're saying, you always do this. And, Right, because it but immediately puts them on the defensive. But I think everyone everyone has a right to and should expect to be able to at least have those those relationships make progress. Like you can't say everyone's going to get to exactly the best place, but, but as you mature and you can feel more um, empowered and have like more inner kind of inner strength in you and belief in yourself, like, don't, don't let a conversation with the parent knock that down. Mm -hmm. 
Next question. I like love all of these questions a lot. I know this is fun. This is so fun. <laughs> okay, this one we talked about earlier, how to introduce relationships to your parents. And I said the best piece of advice that I've gotten, actually I've gotten two really good pieces of advice. This is more so for like being introduced to parents slash meeting parents. But one, if your partner or if you are meeting your partner's parents and you're nervous, I had a friend a few weeks ago be like, you're adult, you're an adult and they're an adult. Like they're adults and you're an adult. You have no reason to be nervous to go talk to other adults and to meet other adults. I was like, that's a really good point. Because of course it is someone you like, love, it's their parents and you want to impress them. But also it's like they're adults. So don't start putting on a crazy act when they're just human beings who want to get to know you, I'm sure. And also introducing relationships to your parents, I think, the reason I jumped to this question was because you talked about how you can't control how someone reacts. And so you can't control your parents' reactions to your relationship. You just can't. And it, I think actually I would say probably will hurt you more to hope for a certain exact reaction because we really can't imagine the best case scenario. And to imagine the best case scenario, oftentimes it comes with us imagining like, oh my God, worst case scenario is my parents disapproving of this relationship, my parents hating my partner. And the reality is like, you have no idea how your parents are going to react. Maybe they're in their own head that day. Maybe they're in like, they're having relationship issues themselves. And so I think my advice for introducing relationships to your parents is understanding, like my mom said that, and now I'm just talking to the people who asked the question, but like you said, mom, like parents really do have the best intentions and most parents I would say like they all they want for their child's relationship is for them to find someone who like absolutely adores them mm -hmm. and so your parents just want someone to absolutely adore you and if someone's treating you poorly my bet is that your mom's going to be the first one to be able <laughs> to tell <laughs> but it really is it's like there's a standard of how you're how you should be treated and also be aware of the fact that you're your parents oftentimes will project their own, and I witnessed this in so many of my friends' relationships, actually, their own relationship standards onto you and your partner. Haven't you noticed that? I'm yeah. giving you leading questions. Exactly. But, but I haven't noticed that. that. Yeah, it, absolutely. I, I think for um, for people that could be getting ready to meet, like, their significant other's parents and feel nervous, just know that, like, the parents want to like you. They, they are excited to meet you. They're excited to meet. They love their children more than anything in the world. And so they're really excited to meet a person that their child is spending time with and, and really likes. So just know that they're coming at it with, like, ready to, like, probably embrace you. So so just know that. Don't don't be nervous because they want to like you. Mm -hmm. And, and yes, but, though, if somebody, if they, if your mom gets a sense that someone is not treating you well or is going to hurt you or does something that hurts you, they, they we do hold on to it. Yeah. And you might repair that. She's still, your mom's still going to, and I can't speak for dads because I'm not one, but <laughs> your mom's going to hold on to that and be like, mm-hmm, I remember. Yeah. There are people that did like, crappy things to Kayleen when she was younger, and I didn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I did forget. Forgive and forget. Move on. Um, that's really funny. And also think just like practically how to introduce relationships to your parents because again, like I tell my mom everything. I'm one of those. But it's funny, like Morgan and Kieran don't have the same avenue of conversation with you that I do. Like I'll call mm -hmm. you and tell you literally everything. Um, whereas like 
Morgan. Morgan's probably... I don't know if she even listens to the podcast. I don't think she does. I think she does. <laughs> Morgan, if you're listening, like, Morgan is a little bit more... You kind of have to, like, pull it out of her, mm-hmm. whereas I'm, like, very forthcoming with information about my life, and I always have been that way. And so I think introducing your relationships, your parents want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. And so exactly. going to them and being like, I found someone that I really like, and I'm really excited about them... And just being upfront about like how excited you are because it doesn't matter really what they think you're doing them a courtesy. Unless, of course, it's someone that is, again, like we said, treating you poorly. But if it's someone that's treating you well and you're excited about them, yes, you want your parents to be excited with you, but it really matters most how you feel. And so to have your parents join your excitement is going to be just a cherry on top. But I don't think you need to rely on them to meet your reaction exactly as you imagined it like maybe they'll be thrilled and they'll ask you about them all the time maybe they'll be like oh it's awesome some people are a little bit just more muted about those things dads especially i know so i think give them some grace but honestly like it is so fun to go to a parent and be like guess what (laughs) i'm so excited because everyone wants their child to like find love exactly and we love it when you share with us so and like you don't have to overshare or tell them absolutely everything but it is nice to just start kind of testing out the waters if you're someone who hasn't been close to your parents before of like, here's some information because then they get it read and they're like, oh, okay, they're telling me some stuff. Like, how can I lean into this and not become a prior, but just form a relationship with my child if they're giving me the opportunity to. Well, that's so interesting, not become a prior because something interesting, I and I find this with you sometimes, like I, I basically usually try to let you tell me I don't, you know, I can't help myself. I do ask some questions, but I try not to. What did we call you? (laughs) One time I called my mom nosy and (laughs) she called herself, talk about this reframe, an information junkie. (laughs) I was like, way to like re-palette that. Information. I'm a marketing communications person at the the end of the day. (laughs) You call me nosy. I call myself an information junkie. I just like to know. She likes to know everything. <laughs> I really respect it. It was funny. But I do recognize that that's um, that can feel overwhelming for you to like, start asking like a lot of questions about someone, or and it generally comes from a place of just curiosity. Mm-hmm. But you're um, like me. We're both very curious. Yeah. yeah. But I, I'm like, nope. Just let her share as she wants to share, and at her in her time and at her pace even though I want to be like, wait, tell me more about this. (laughs) But I think it's fair to say to your parent, like, I want to share this with you, but I don't want you to ask me like a zillion questions. I think that's fair to set it up that way. I think that's amazing advice and very fair advice. Nice things to do for your empty nester mom, which I think is so cute. You're not an empty nester. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Kieran Bracken. (laughs) He's the best. Yeah, I know. I'm like, how, how do I get me one of those empty nests? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Trying to be an empty nester, anyone. So I can't say I have one, but although Karen's not home a whole lot. But get her a dog. Morgan has, re- yes, get her a dog. Get her a golden retriever. Call her. Call her. Check in. Let her know what you're doing. Let I mean, let him know too, but I'm, again, speaking from the mother point of view. Um but yeah, it, it's a it's a really odd transition. I mean, it's a great it's a wonderful transition to see your your children kind of striking out on their own and and becoming more solid on their on their footing as young adults. Um, but you know, if you want to call and ask for advice sometimes on like what you're supposed to do if you go to the DMV or how, how do you put air in your tires or 
call and ask us because we like feeling like we're still kind of needed and that you're not totally completely independent of us just yet that's amazing because I was gonna say like I think that I've come into being parented a lot more as I've gotten older ironically like I will come to you guys and I love spending time with you and dad and I love really like actually letting myself be parented by you and you and I've had really amazing conversations about that but it is funny because I'm not someone that goes to a lot of people for advice if anyone and I love to process things kind of just on my own but I will and I make an effort to call you when I don't know how to do something like mom where do I go to put air in my tires or where do I go to do and it is it is a good way to make your parents feel wanted and needed and dads love getting messages like that like every parent wants to feel like they're still nurturing their child. Yep, exactly. And so I think that was really good advice. Also, sending her flowers is really fun. Like doing little things. Obviously, you know your mom, and you know probably what she would like. But it's like sending a little text, and I hey, I thought of you, and a hundred percent pictures that you find from your camera roll from two years ago, three years ago. I think it's really special. Just your parents want to know that you're thinking about them because there is this dynamic of like your kids go to college and I'm not a parent so I can't really speak to this but and you hope that they still need you in some way because you've spent the last 18 20 years of your life nurturing that relationship and nurturing them and hoping that they're going to be safe and find people who love them um and it's so nice to return that favor because really they are just this friend you've had for 18, 20 years who you've been trying to get to know. And I think that's something else that, to go back to the question about how we've navigated our relationship, I think the one thing that really pivoted was when we were going to Hawaii and we were, maybe we were in San Diego. We were somewhere. On one of our adventures. On one of our adventures. And we were like the Hertz car rental bus, you know, at LAX. Uh And I was like, you know what my intention for this trip is? You're like, what? I think I was on the way to Hawaii. I was like, I just really want to get to know you. And we did, like, like, I got to know, I wanted to know the things about you that I know about my friends. Like, what's mm-hmm. your coffee order? What would you, what's your favorite meal? What's the scariest thing that's ever happened to you? Who were you in love with in high school? Like, all of the things you'd been through. Because you've gotten all of mine. Like, mm-hmm. you, I grew up, and it's not a one-way street. A relationship is a two-way street. And I think in order to get to know your parents, which is really the thesis of this episode like how can we get to know our parents and and love them better and treat them better really is how can you get to know them beyond them as your parent like they are a whole person they have interests they have terrifying things that have happened to them they have nightmares they have dreams that they still haven't fulfilled they have favorite coffee orders and favorite desserts in states that you probably haven't been to since you visited you know your aunt and uncle there are just so many different things that you can get to know about someone and I feel really lucky that I feel like a few years ago I came into this question asking obsession and I love getting to know people's smallest things but my mom and I will literally when we're on Oahu will go on a walk on if anyone's been to the North Shore on the trail and uh, go through like 101 questions or 400 questions to ask your friends and I now know all of these little things about you, like your favorite instrument and uh, your favorite meal and what you would do on your perfect day and who would be there. And knowing those things, I just see so much more of you. And I really do feel like when I'm not with you, I feel like I'm missing my best friend in the most beautiful way possible. It's like a piece of my heart is missing. It's so beautiful. What? I know, and I love those <laughs> conversations. And because it's so funny. I remember you, you've asked me stuff, and I'm like, oh, like, so much of you, I think you just assume, like, 
you know, your kids know know you, but but you don't because how how would you know that? How would you know, you know, the first boy that broke my heart? Your like favorite donut. My favorite donut. Well, that might be more obvious. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those things like what did you want to be when you were young? Like I it's not something I would have just dropped into conversation. So, yeah, getting to know one another um, on a different level, getting to know your parents and and who they who they were before you showed up and and what they wanted because our lives really do change tremendously when we have children and uh, so much of that gets pushed pushed aside or and I don't want to say forgotten but certainly you know put at the back of the library so even for me having those conversations and me remembering some of those things was it was it was illuminating to me also oh yeah that's what I wanted back then and well I feel like that also was we got to know you better, like not just me, like we both did. You got to know you better <laughs> through answering those questions. And I think when you figure out, oh, that's the thing I like, that's what I wanted, this is my favorite thing, you like find in those answers the pockets of joy that you can pull back out, kind of like you go back into the library and you pull out all the things, like the books you loved and the information you'd forgotten about yourself. And you're like, shit, I love that sandwich from Capriati's in Delaware. Oh, I should go back and get yes, it. Yes, I do. <laughs> and now for our sponsor. <laughs> the Bobby from Capriati's. The Bobby from Capriati's. <laughs> I don't know if I have any Delaware listeners. They, I think they have Capriati's all over. They have franchised, but the OGs are in Delaware. University of Delaware listeners, don't know if you guys are here. I have two blue hen parents. Shout out to my fighting blue hen friends. Next question I thought of something else. So back to wait back to um, what you can do for your empty nester parents, and I think this is this is becoming a lost art. And so here is my PSA for why um, people should still send things through the mail and handwrite notes. And I know that's like so old school, but I think there's going to come a day when we're not going to you're not going to have a, a stockpile of texts from your parents. And I don't know. I always say I think my kids know that like. What I want at holidays and birthdays more than anything is I just want you to write me a like write me something and a card and a letter, because I will keep that forever and I keep them on my dresser and I I read the cards that you guys give me and they just they make me smile endlessly when you're not around so that is my PSA for putting something on paper and sending it to your parents and if you need to know where to put the stamp and how to address an envelope because I know that is a little foreign. You just let us know. We'll do a little tutorial on that. Or perhaps it's just my kids that don't know how to do that. Describe the thoughts you had immediately after having your first child. Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> so, well, immediately after, I remember I, Morgan had to, um, it was really late at night. We'd had a, um, I wound up having to have a C-section. She had been un- in a little bit of distress. And I remember they brought her, I couldn't wait to to get her in my arms. And, you know, they, they take her away and they, they do all the testing and stuff. And so it was probably 2.30 in the morning. And I was exhausted post, post-surgery. And they brought her in and she was crying and crying and crying. And they put her in my arms. And I said, hi, sweetie. And it was she recognized my voice and literally like her her head turned toward me and she stopped crying and i was like so overwhelmed that like to feel this connection with this little human um was so extraordinary and you i'm sure people have heard their your parents say that you've heard people say that like you just don't even realize how giant your heart gets when you have a child um and we carry that for your whole lives but then I also remember you um, 
you get a crazy hormone surge um, right after you have a baby. So um, you cry a lot. And I remember bringing her home and I don't know, like Law and Order or something was on the TV. And I like burst out crying. Like, I can't believe I just bought a, brought a little person into this cruel world where look what happens. And so I had to ban all TV shows like that. I like think I would only watch like Seinfeld or something or Friends just to have something like humorous. But I couldn't watch any crime shows for probably a few years. Honestly, I'm really glad that somebody asked that question. That's a good question. We have two questions that kind of, I would say, intersect. How to politely get your mom to start therapy and heal her own wounds. And a question that is pretty similar is how to help a parent who doesn't who doesn't want help slash see a problem with their issues with alcohol. So I would say those are pretty similar because an issue with alcohol is a translation of someone's own internal some issues, kind of pain. Right, yeah. but also addiction, of course, is a totally kind of different beast, and it's a really scary thing, I think, for the person who is experiencing addiction and also everyone who loves them. So I would say that you and I are both sober. <laughs> <laughs> we obviously, like, you and I have, we have our own opinions on what drinking does to people's relationships and, and how somebody who is unconsciously experiencing addiction um, how that affects their life and how it affects their relationships. But I think really we can kind of hit the root of it at the question, how to politely get someone to start therapy and heal their own wounds, really, especially when it's your mom. And I think the first step is really understanding that, and you even said this before we started recording, like we are of totally different generations and my generation, like the first step of you experience some sort of wound or if you are having challenging emotions, it's like, okay, you go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Versus your generation, that is like, widely people are very resistant to that. People are resistant to being medicated. They're resistant to talking to someone and talking to their friends about it. And I feel really lucky to have grown up in a generation and to be growing up in a generation that is super open to all of those things and open to most things in general. And so I feel like this is probably something you could speak to of like how to have a constructive conversation and not say this is an intervention and you need help. Exactly. Okay. There could, we could do a full episode just on this because, and I think this is, I, I want to do it justice. So, um, because this is heavy, this is, that is, it's really hard to confront, um, anyone, but especially a parent. To, to be able to tell them that either you think they need to go to therapy or they need to take a look at their relationship with alcohol um, because it's just so fraught with you're, you're going to press on that person's pain points. Um, and, and one thing I've, I've learned, too, about any of those things is a person isn't going to be committed to changing any of those things until they're ready and they really want to. So just recognize that if you are, and I know it takes a lot of courage to probably have those, to have those conversations, just know that you, even if you don't get the result that you want in that moment and they don't say, okay, you're right. I'm going to, I'm going to go to therapy or I'm, I think it still contributes to them getting more introspective about it, but it, it could be a year-long process. I mean, it could be a, a long process because, I mean, so often in so many of those things, things that underlie addiction, I think, and things that, you know, where therapy would be helpful for anything is just, it's just pain. It's somebody's pain that they're carrying, some kind of suffering, and so often addiction is something they're using to just self-medicate or to 
numb out because it's so hard to feel some of those feelings. So, so just know that you may not be heard in the moment, but I think that, that being able to express your concerns, but again, coming at it with not accusatory, not you really have to do this because of what you're doing to me, coming from a place of concern, like this is what I'm observing happens to you. This is what I'm observing. Maybe you, you are, it feels like sometimes you get really strong reactions to things that I say or do and it's it's I think it's hurting our relationship or if you come you I just think in any anything like that if you're coming at it from a place of concern and compassion and love and grace and and try to avoid making that person feel really judged is the best way to try to make progress but with this is not to minimize what a monumental conversation that can be for people especially if you're dealing with someone who is just not ready to hear it absolutely and I think making sure that they know you believe in them, like you said, coming yeah. from a place of compassion. But I remember you and I were at an event in Colorado, and one of the amazing young men that I was speaking with told a story about his coach being concerned about how he was behaving and how much he was partying. And his coach basically told him, like, you're better than this. Yeah. And I believe in you, and I know that this is not the best version of you, and I know we can tap into that, but this is not the way. And yeah, I loved that. I loved it. And you and I have had conversations about that too with different people in our lives of like, how do you get the best out of someone you love? And it's by making sure they know you believe in them. And it's not by cracking them down and saying, you're this, you're that, I'm judging you here, you're doing this wrong, because that only breaks someone down further. And especially when you bring in things like addiction, it is a whole other ballgame because there's an illness involved. And to go in and judgmentally say, like, you're wrong for experiencing addiction. They didn't choose that. Nobody wants to be addicted to something. Nobody wants to let drugs or alcohol ruin their life, ruin their relationship with their children. And so to really go into it with compassion and be like, I want 10 years from now, I want our family to be going on vacation. I want us to be sitting around a fire with my kids or your grandkids and dogs and whatever, and, and everyone's happy and healthy and we're cooking and, and no one is you know, at odds with one another. And because when you put that in a parent or anyone, frankly's head, it gives them this motivation that maybe they're lacking if they are someone who's turning to substances to numb what is probably an anxiety about the future in some capacity, because it often is where we find ourselves in fear of life. But it is a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to go to someone. And I think until you learn that you're not, you have to descend your high horse before you have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Nobody is perfect. You have to get off your high horse. And I think it, it is challenging when you have siblings who reinforce your beliefs about your parents, because we do tell ourselves a lot of stories about the way we've been parented. And I think, especially now, like there's so many buzzwords about trauma and I'm taking a class on trauma and I'm learning so much about what really is trauma and it does not mean you're invalidating anyone's experiences, but I do think it's thrown around and a lot of things on social media now are helping, are forcing, are making children and young adults reinforce negative stories about their parents mm-hmm. and about the way they were raised. And it becomes like the more you believe that, the more you're gonna find reasons versus when you look for the good things, they're there, I hope. But I do think it's it's a complex thing. And so if it is something that is weighing on you, that is absolutely valid because it is a heavy thing to, to deal with as a child, a young adult, a 60 year old who loves their parents. It's just a hard thing. And I think too, you just for your own protection kind of emotional protection I'd say 
manage your expectations around or, or don't have any expectations about how what that how that person's going to react because you may be very disappointed in the way they react so just know that you need to say what you need to say and i would say t- say it from a place of compassion and concern but if they don't seem to have heard you or don't respond in the way you're hoping you need to be okay with that and and let go of an expectation around that and just know that you you said what you needed to say and you know it, even if it's something like creating a boundary which i um boundaries are something i work on that is that that's something i i did not have for many years you're an amazing boundary setter now <laughs> but to say i i love you and but this is how this is affecting me and i hope that you'll maybe hear me and think about a way that you can get some assistance with that, maybe from from a professional. But but just know that it's not that I don't love you, but I, I can't spend time around you when this is happening. And I think that's that's probably pretty painful for someone to hear, but it's I think you earn their respect in that you're saying, you know, you you need to protect yourself at the end of the day. So reposted something earlier today from Adam Grant, who's just the greatest. Oh. Love him. But it says, and I think this is one way to approach those conversations if you are someone who tends to be, quote unquote, brutally honest, which is a phrase I don't believe in. Yeah. But it says, the antidote to passive aggressiveness is not brutal honesty. Candor without care just makes you an asshole. Communicating well is being direct in your message and kind in your delivery. The mm-hmm. goal isn't to sugarcoat the truth. It's to make it clear that you're trying to help. And it could not be more relevant to that conversation. That's perfect. Of making sure someone knows. I think it, it, you're right. It does earn that person's respect for you mm-hmm. because it's like you're being honest you care enough to be kind and to be honest with me and there's I mean there's so much shame in all of that for a person who's struggling that if you if you don't approach it with some compassion and concern you're really probably just compounding the shame and making them feel worse and you know if you do it right and they know you're in their corner that you're in their corner even if you're like I, you might not be able to do this day to day because you have some work to do but if in the back of their mind if they know that you are concerned about them and you're rooting for them I think that goes a long way yeah I think making the distinction between do you want to make this person get in touch with feelings of guilt which is truly a mechanism of empathy or do you want to make them feel ashamed and and if you want to make them feel ashamed I would say don't even start that conversation until you move away from that because to make someone feel ashamed is to make them feel small and unworthy and that's only going to dig someone deeper into a hole but to make someone feel empathetic for themselves really and say because guilt it is an efficient feeling really Mm -hmm. because it tells you oh I did something I don't want to do I've been doing something I don't want to do anymore and it and it teaches you shame is not a teacher shame is like an ego punch to the gut exactly well and to to pull out some Oprah um amen (laughs) You know, really ask yourself before having a conversation like that, what is my intention? And get and and if the intention is all about like making you feel better or getting something off your chest because you're feeling still angry or stung or hurt about something, then I would say um, sleep on it, sleep on it for a little bit until you're at a place where your intention is truly to assist that person and to help them and to make sure that they know you love them. Because if you're doing it, for you, purely for you, you're going to be disappointed and it's probably just going to exacerbate the situation. So be like Oprah, set your intention. Be like Oprah. (laughs) 
That's if you get one thing from this. <laughs> be like Oprah Winfrey. Okay, this question says, it's not really a question. Sometimes I feel awkward saying I love you to my mom. I don't know why. We, You and I talked about this earlier as we were going through questions, but I said, the reason you feel awkward, I would assume, is because when you say I love you to someone, you're also implicitly saying, do you love me? And if you're not entirely confident that your mom loves you, then saying I love you is going to be a scary thing. The same way it is when you say I love you to anyone because you hope that they feel the same way. And... I probably tell you I love you 30 times a day. You say multiple times a day. We, yeah. we are all pretty free with you. saying <laughs> I love you. But I do think it's something worth inquiring with. Mm-hmm. of, And even having that conversation with your mom and saying, I feel scared sometimes to say that I love you because I'm worried that you don't love me. And that's really what this little child within me is asking when I say I love you. It, it's I love you and it's do you love me too and I don't know if you have any advice on that but I really think it's pretty simple of I think that's very much that probably what's at the core of it um is do you love me too and but my heart goes out to someone who you know worries about that or feels nervous to tell their their mother that um because sure she does love you too she just may not be the most expressive about it and you know she may have grown up in a house where they didn't say it. Um, and so having that conversation or opening that dialogue, you might learn more about her. Someone just said, what is it like being Kayleen's mom? <laughs> <laughs> it's a gift. How much time do you have? <laughs> That's, I was actually thinking about that earlier because I was like, you actually have gotten pretty involved in, I mean, my mom's my manager. Like, that's so funny because you have gotten, like, you got interviewed at True Sport. My mom got interviewed at, the, like, the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic <laughs> Museum. You guys were a big part of the U.S. Across Magazine interview. And it is funny because people ask you about all these things. And they're like, what did you think when Kayleen was, you know, stepping away from lacrosse? Or what did you think when Kayleen did this? And you're like, she's always been doing her own thing. <laughs> exactly. I know. Um, but it's also like when they ask, you know, I want to be want to be clear that like, God, it's so amazing to see like where you are after what you've been through. But like, I certainly, you know, we didn't handle it well all the time. We didn't we didn't have any experience in in that and and helping you through that period. Um, I mean, probably the best thing to do is say, I think you need to see a therapist, but... Shout out Larissa. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Larissa. That's my therapist. She's great. <laughs> Which I was going to say, like, it, that question about, like, it's amazing being your mom. Um, it is... It's a, it's amazing just watching you navigate these challenges in your life and and overcoming these challenges and and just staying so open to learning and to being curious about what's going to serve you best and and things that are taking place in your life and and i mean i really admire and I, like i said i really have learned from you like your ability to prioritize your what's best for your well-being and be able to walk away from things that do not serve you that is that is a real gift to be able to do that but i wanted to say about therapy is that for our generation gen x you know, we, we Gen Xers <laughs> listening. <laughs> Shout out Gen X. I actually do have like a weird amount of not weird. Love my Gen X listeners. <laughs> but I do have a lot of people in that age range, which I assume are my friends' parents, but which is amazing. Um, you know, a lot of us grew up in homes where like nobody went to therapy. Nobody talked about therapy. Um and and okay, this is also something that um 
Kaylee has taught me that I that I do, or hopefully that I did. I no longer do, but there were certain things where I realized like I would change the tone of my voice when when we were talking about something that I perceived to be sensitive. So like if she's a therapist, I'd be like, "So how is therapy?" I'd put on my like radio voice, like, "Yeah, uh, how is therapy? How did it go?" Or like, "Oh, are you still dealing with that anxiety?" <laughs> say with your chest <laughs> I know and Kaylee would be like mom tone 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 and it just it was so interesting to realize like that was like my conditioning because I grew up um in a you know with a a mother who grew up very Irish Catholic and you god you didn't talk about those things right like you just didn't because that would indicate there was something wrong with you so I first of all I fully celebrate how open your your entire generation is to to therapy and to recognizing that we're all walking around with and I do think it is trauma like it could be little t trauma but I do think we all um walk around with that and that you all are so curious about it and willing and open to say to recognize and to be vulnerable and say yeah I'm having a hard time with this and that doesn't feel good to me so I think I need to talk to somebody about it because going and talking to somebody who's independent of your family or your just somebody who objectively is there to hear you and to help you work through things is, I mean, it couldn't be more beneficial, I don't think. So I agree. by all means, everybody, really everybody should be in therapy. A hundred percent. And if you can't afford therapy, podcasts are free. There are so many therapists that are on Spotify, on wherever you get your podcasts, but people so that give immense amounts of information okay and as a gen xer i can't believe i'm gonna say this but i can't believe how much i've learned on tiktok (laughs) tiktok i have such an interesting relationship with because i do think it is like the most mind-numbing but also weirdly like the most malleable and informational app very interesting so you heard it here first folks (laughs) nathan bracken endorses the use of tiktok for learning purposes okay to finish off the episode we're gonna play a game actually it's i looked up like mom and daughter like who knows each other best questions okay so I'm gonna ask you these questions about me and then you're gonna ask me these questions about you and we're gonna see who gets more right okay let's see oh I hope I see this is now I get competitive and I'm like I better do really well okay ready <laughs> what's my all-time favorite movie with the twins with the 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 Lindsay Lohan the parent trap the parent trap no, it's not <laughs> It's a simple favor. Oh, I knew that. I, I was about to say, or the one with Anna Kendrick. Yes, it's a simple favor. Okay, what's my middle name? Oh, Kayleen's middle name is Wells, but I can't just answer and not tell the story. I know. Which, if anyone has heard of the man in the red bandana, Wells Crowther, he is who I'm named after, and he is my guiding light in this world. Genuinely, he is. And if you haven't heard of him, go Google the man in the red bandana right now. And watch, the ESPN, and watch the ESPN video. Um, he was an just extraordinary young man who um, unfortunately died in 9-11, but not before he saved number, numerous people and guided them to safety. Um, he had been a volunteer firefighter, even though he was working, you know, um, as an equity on an equities desk. Um, but he's from uh, Tim's hometown, and Tim, uh, Kayleen's dad, had coached him as a young man and kept in touch with him and just always thought the world of him. So we love the Crowthers too. And I got pregnant with you shortly after uh, 9-11. And so it I love felt Wells. like a natural that you, your middle name was going to be Wells, whether you were a boy or a girl. That's a good story. I'm glad you told that. 
What's my favorite food? It's a, it's a specific meal from a specific place that you've had with me before to give you a hint. Wait, Ridge Thai is your favorite place at home. That is my favorite place at home. It's not at home. Oh, Raised by the Waves. Oh! So close. Oh, oh Surf and Salsa. Yes. The tacos at Surf and Salsa. Of course. How so could good. I? That's my favorite meal ever. What's my favorite color? Green. Good. When's my birthday? <laughs> July 17th. Where did I grow up? 11 a.m. she was born. On the dot. The only time I've ever been punctual. <laughs> what was the question? Where did I grow up? Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Ridgewood, no. New Jersey. Ridgewood, New Jersey. What's my zodiac sign? Cancer. Who's my celebrity crush? Jason Bateman. <laughs> so good. So good. What's my favorite season? Summer. True. Which do I like more, sweet or salty snacks? Sweet. True. Am I an early bird or a night owl? Or not, you're an early bird. Do I prefer to go in? Do I prefer to stay in or go out on a Saturday night? Oh, go, stay in. <laughs> okay. Those are good ones. I'm going to go to a different list so you can ask these ones because I want you to have... Okay. What's my favorite color? Green. What's my favorite food in the whole world? That's hard. My first thought was camp breakfast. That's not what it is, though. <laughs> May I have a hint? Um, I have to think about what my favorite food is in the whole world, but I would say it goes to the Irish heritage. Potatoes in oh, any potatoes. form. Oh, potatoes. Okay. <laughs> That's a good answer. I was like, Irish soda <laughs> I love that stuff. What's my least favorite season of the year? Winter. Boom. Um, how old am I? 54. So close. 53? 55. Five. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> how tall am I? 504. Yes. You grew an inch in college. Exactly. So good. I know. I'm waiting for my inch. <laughs> the um, road to five foot two starts now. <laughs> I've gotten, wait guys, also, I have gotten one DM and one email, subject line, height. This week, I didn't even send you this, from somebody, a high schooler, who emailed me, and it said because this has been sent from, like, a high school account or something, just saying, hey, LOL, I'm a big fan. How tall are you? And then I got a DM that said, how tall are you? And I responded and said, really tall, because I thought it was a bot. And then the person kept responding, and they were like, really? Because you look so short and tiny. I was like, well, haha, I'm actually five foot one. So <laughs> anyway, that's funny, but. Um, what's my favorite store? Lord and Taylor. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to say, it's no longer open, but. Well, I didn't even need it. I'm still in mourning. I'm still in. It's been closed like two years, and I'm Rest just in peace, not okay Taylor. with it. Um, what's my favorite flavor of ice cream? Mint chip. Boom. What's my favorite movie? That's hard. Like Shawshank Redemption? Hard. No. That's up there. Okay. Wait, I, it's not on here, but I'm gonna, who's my celebrity crush? Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, yes. This is my boyfriend. Um, what do I think is the best room in our home? The front room by the fireplace. I think that's yeah. the best room. Yeah. And what type of music do I like best? You have a playlist called Life with Kale. I do love And that playlist. I do love that playlist, yes. But like Rick Springfield? <laughs> is that right? Yes. Okay. Uh, and where is my favorite restaurant to eat? You, it's so funny because you don't have like favorite restaurants that you're like, we have to go here. Actually, probably somewhere in Nashville. Well, dozens is it your favorite place ever. I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a whole bunch more on here, but I don't know if you want to keep Honestly, going. I like this. Okay. Um, what's my favorite vegetable? No idea. Kale. Kale. <laughs> I don't know. What is your favorite vegetable? I'd say probably broccoli. I was going to say broccoli. That's funny. What's my favorite day of the week? Saturday. Yeah. Come on. Isn't it everybody's? Really? Mine's or Sunday. maybe Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's my favorite animal? Elephant. Yes. 
They're amazing. Amazing creatures. What's my favorite condiment? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I was going to say malt vinegar. <laughs> what's your favorite condiment? Ketchup? You're not a big condiment person. I Yeah, I'm not. I don't I don't know what I'd say is my favorite condiment. I don't I don't know. It's, what's mine? Yours might be ketchup or mustard. Ketchup or hot sauce? Hot sauce. Yeah, yours is hot sauce. Um, who in our family am I most like? Me fair yes i'm like you you're not like me (laughs) okay that was so fun mom thank you so much for coming on you are a superstar and i'm so excited about this episode i can't wait to go edit it thank you for having me this was this was fun this was i was a little nervous um but it was it was delightful you killed it you absolutely killed it she bought like bought us matchas before this so we've just been kicking it with our matcha and after kayleen so graciously introduced me to matcha which it's so I true. I now love. We are one in the same. I love you so much, and I'm so proud of you for everything that you've done and everything that you continue to do and everything that you will do and the magical life you're creating. And I feel so lucky that I get to be your best friend and that I get to live life with you, and I'm going to force you to live wherever I live. Um, we are manifesting you and I having a home on Oahu, so. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Anyone selling? <laughs> and I feel exactly the same way. So thank you so much. And I'm so incredibly proud of you. And I'm just enjoying watching you become you, even more of you than you already were. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing and it's wonderful and just so gratifying. And I, I feel deeply grateful for the relationship that we have. So thank you. Thank you for letting me to be part of Sunday Questions. They're going to love you. They're going to love you. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye.